Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zora. Africa, Amka na Unai. It is 7 Central African time. Good morning and welcome to the third and final hour of Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa. We are broadcasting from an African perspective. I'm Kumbero Munjerere. Coming up on the show this hour, South African opposition parties accuse President Ramaphosa of not doing enough to fight corruption. South African government rocked by 118 million rand New York land scandal. In economics, Namibia's central bank governor says economic hope lies in investments. And in sports, Kaiser Chiefs reject Confederation of African Football's proposal. All these stories are coming up on the show, but first the news with Anne Musa. SABC News. Independent. And impartial. From an African perspective. Aman Musa, good morning. South African civic organization Right to Know says it will be picketing outside the Department of Health offices in Johannesburg over what it says has been a lack of transparency over the coronavirus vaccination program. This as the first 80,000 doses of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine arrived at the Oar Tambo International Airport last night. The vaccines were then moved to a secure facility in Gauteng where they will be distributed to vaccination centers in all provinces. The single-dose vaccines will be used to vaccinate frontline healthcare workers in both the public and private sectors. Government came under heavy criticism last week after the rollout of the AstraZeneca vaccines from India Serum Institute was suspended after a study showed that it had limited efficacy against the new variant discovered in the country. Right to know says South Africans are in the dark over the government's rollout strategy. Provincial organizer Gauteng Bongani Kwezwi. The problem is our government plans are not so transparent. And the citizens of this country are in the dark because we have a government that does things without being transparent. We know that they're going to a dead wave of this pandemic. And we're not yet seeing measures of government as it was that they're doing in order to make sure that they save more lives. We want government to be more transparent. Zimbabwe says the COVID-19 variant first detected in South Africa now accounts for the majority of cases in the country. Results of genomic sequencing and conducted recently showed that the variant the nation had in 2020 had receded and that the new and more aggressive variant accounted for 61% of cases. On Monday, President Emerson Mnangagwa extended a lockdown in place since early January by a further two weeks. In a statement, the government said the vaccine rollout program will be on Thursday. This follows Monday's arrival of the first batch of vaccines from China. And scientists in the UK have identified another new variant of coronavirus with some potentially troubling mutations. The B1525 appears similar to the variant found in South Africa, which prompted door-to-door tests in British areas where it has been found. Researchers from Edinburgh University say they've found 38 cases of the latest variant, two in Wales and 36 in England. It had been seen in other countries, including Denmark, Nigeria, and the US. 
The UN World Food Programme says South Sudan is facing its highest levels of food insecurity since it declared independence 10 years ago. The agency says this is due to the outbreaks of violence, extreme weather patterns and the economic impact of COVID-19. People counting the east of the country saw an intense conflict in the first half of last year, followed by devastating floods. WFP says some areas are at risk of famine as food stocks between harvests run out. It warns that across South Sudan, about 7 million people don't have enough food. And finally, former U.S. President Donald Trump has launched a scathing personal attack on fellow Republican Mitch McConnell. McConnell, who led the uh, Senate for years, voted to acquit Trump in his impeachment trial last week. However, he also attacked Trump as morally responsible for last month's U.S. Capitol riot. Trump has responded with his lengthiest statement since he left office a month ago. The BBC's Peter Bowers reports. As well as attacking Mitch McConnell in very personal terms, he also talks about his economic record. He talks about his record on the coronavirus. It almost reads like the early draft of an election manifesto. But a lot of the focus, of course, will be on what he said about Mitch McConnell, saying that he wasn't the kind of leader that could continue to win elections for the Republicans. And Mr. Trump saying that he will support Republican candidates who espouse his agenda, his America first agenda, which, of course, was a big part of his campaign when he was first elected after his initial campaign in 2016. And that's the news headlines at 7.30 Central African Time. SABC News. Independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. for Channel Africa Radio in Ethiopia's capital, Addis Ababa. Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Hilda Kekeloa in Zambia. Our cutting-edge and hard-hitting journalism leaves no stone unturned, giving you the whole picture every time. George Muhango, Channel Africa, Blantyre. Reporting for Channel Africa, this is Moki Kinzaka. In Yawundi. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja, informing the world about Africa. Join us every day and know what is happening around you. Channel Africa. You are listening to Channel Africa from an African perspective. This is Africa Rise and Shine. Remember, we would like to hear from you. So if you have any comments about the stories that we are bringing you here on the show, you can uh, email us uh, your comments at uh, info at channelafrica.org or you can uh, leave your comment on our Facebook page. Alternatively, you can tweet us your comment at Rise Shine Africa at Rise Shine Africa. Good morning. The Chair of South African Parliament's Portfolio Committee on International Relations and Cooperation has called on South Africa's Minister Naledi Pando to explain when she is going to implement the recommendations of an oversight report into the irregular expenditure of 118 million rand for a, for a land parcel in New York that does not exist. Tandi Mahambethala was in conversation with the SABC's Sherwin Bryce Pease after revelations 
late last week of the precautionary suspension of current director general at DECO, Khabo Mahoy. As it relates to this matter, the portfolio chair also raised concerns that departmental officials named in the report have not received sanction including former director general in the department Jerry Machila who later became ambassador to the United Nations in New York. The oversight report says the amount of 118 million rand was paid on the basis of a misrepresentation to the department and that supply chain management challenges associated with the New York purchase posed both a representational and reputational risk to the image of the country. Chairperson Tandi Mahambehlala. The portfolio committee uh, picked up the announcement uh, from the media reports uh, that the minister has placed um, the current DG, Mr. Mohai, um, under the precautionary suspension is part of implementation of the recommendations of the committee's oversight report on New York. This development came as a surprise uh, because the committee was not aware uh, of the facts relating to the suspension of the current DG as he did not feature uh, in our oversight reports. While the committee does not wish to interfere in the internal affairs of the department, it is, however, concerning that it had to learn through the media that a particular cause of action has been taken, especially when it was said to have been linked to the recommendations of Parliament. Evidenced in the Auditor General's report for 2017-18, the project initiated in 2016 under then DG Jerry Machila raised red flags and led to an oversight visit by the Portfolio Committee to New York in 2019, where they discovered a dilapidated building on the site in Manhattan rather than a parcel of land. The department essentially has ownership of neither the land nor the building, despite the 118 million rand paid up front. There's a lot of questions that we have because if you are, a, for instance, a property management a, a personnel in the department, a, one, we expect you to have a expertise and qualifications. Then we pose questions around the qualifications of certain personnel there, and we requested that we get their qualifications. And until today, we have not received uh, those qualifications. Uh, the ones that we received, they, they showed the contrary. And that alone uh, put us in a predicament that begins to suggest that the department uh, needs a, a special attention. And then on the issue of irregular expenditures and accountability, uh, the financial accountability uh, in any department, it lies with the finance uh, personnel. These include Durko's chief director of property management, Bernice Africa, Durko's chief financial officer, Kefus Ramashau, and former DG and UN ambassador, Jerry Machila, that the oversight report directly links to involvement in the New York purchase. Chairperson Mahambeshlala. Immediately after this was approved, Mr. Jerry Machila followed the man to New York because he was the ambassador there. He went there and he became an ambassador. And when we were on the oversight, we thought that we would address this particular issue. But he decided to run away and he was nowhere to be found when we were in New York. So we could not deliberate on this particular matter 
and engage him. Efforts to reach Ambassador Machila on this matter have been unsuccessful, while the spokesperson for the Department of International Relations has not responded to questions on the progress of their internal investigations. SABC News has subsequently learnt of court processes that are underway and that certain matters are sub judicate. It dragged so long uh, because there was no attention on this particular matter. So when the report was adopted by Parliament last year in November through the office of the Speaker, the report was sent to the Department. So this year, we are hoping that we are going to get the responses on what has been done on the recommendations of the Portfolio Committee, which are very explicit. Reports suggest that the Department has since cancelled the procurement process to acquire new office space for both its mission to the United Nations and consulate in Manhattan. I'm Sherman Bryce-Pease in New York. The future of Eastern Cape Province Health MEC Cindy Swagomba and other ruling ANC leaders implicated in the Nelson Mandela funeral scandals, uh, scandal hangs in the balance. This is as the ANC in the province issued a directive that all party members who are formally charged with corruption should step aside from high positions. Last Friday, Gomba, former Buffalo City Mayor Zuki Swangita and ANC chairperson in the Rubusana region Pumlani Mkolo, among others, appeared at the East London Magistrates Court on charges of fraud and corruption. Yanga Funani reports. The allegations relate to 10 million rands stolen from the Buffalo City Metro coffers in 2013. Tender processes were allegedly faulted during the procurement of goods and services for Mandela Memorial and Funeral. With the case back in court, the pressure is mounting on Eastern Cape Premier Oscar Mabuyane to act on those implicated leaders. Director of the Makanda-based government watchdog Public Service Accountability Monitor, Jay Cruz, says action must be taken against those implicated. We require a health MEC that can focus their attention on vaccine rollout and improving the services to communities. It's hard time that the Premier act in the public interest. It is unacceptable that an MEC um, is sitting whilst facing criminal charges. In addition to that, the MEC is facing serious allegations regarding the procurement of medical scooters, and she also needs to account for her conduct in that regard. And so we urgently call upon the Premier to act in the public interest and remove the health MEC. Political analyst Dr. Ngozikulula Nyembezi says, the ANC is not keeping to its word, sending a bad message to its members. We see that the ANC no longer has control over its members to instruct them to obey the, the resolutions of its conference to step down in cases where they are facing corruption. And that does not give confidence to the members of the public that these members who continue to hold office while facing charges will not continue to loot state resources with impunity. Unions and opposition parties have also weighed in calling for the removal of Gomba from the health department. The ANC released a statement saying, affected members are expected to meet with the BEC officials on this matter this week. Their next court appearance is the 5th of March. Yanga Funani in Pisho.
South African opposition parties that debated the state of the nation address accused President Cyril Ramaphosa of not doing enough to fight corruption as well as the way government has handled COVID-19 vaccine acquisition. Meanwhile, the ruling ANC committed itself in leaving no stone unturned in holding accountable those accused of corruption. Lula Mamacha reports. ANC Chief Whip Pemi Majodina led the debate. She said they have demonstrated their commitment in fighting corruption by the manner in which they have handled the first Auditor General's report on COVID-19 relief fund. We'll ensure that this sixth parliament remain consistent in taking action against corruption and crime, regardless of who is implicated. We have already demonstrated this commitment in the manner in which we have processed the Auditor General's first report on the expenditure of COVID-19 relief funds. The oversight called the respective ministers and DGs to account accordingly. I want to state it categorically that no member of the ANC, I repeat, no member of the ANC has ever been instructed to cover up corruption. Health Minister Zuelim Kize said the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which arrived in the country on Tuesday, has 57% efficacy against the South African variant. I'd like to therefore uh, take the opportunity of settling the Johnson & Johnson vaccine matter rollout because it must be understood that our, our sole purpose is to save the lives of our people and protect healthcare workers. It is without dispute that the Johnson & Johnson vaccine has 57% efficacy against the 501YV2 variant and is fully protective of serious illnesses and death. On that basis, therefore, the uh, Johnson & Johnson apply for emergency use authorization and is expected that this will be granted. DA leader John Stian Hayson accused the president of making promises with little progress since he took office three years ago. But it means nothing when it is the government and actions and policies that are actually keeping people down. You cannot tell people to rise when it's government's unjust and irrational decisions these past 11 months that have destroyed their livelihoods and kept them pinned down. You cannot tell people to rise when even the reformers in the cabinet are unable to breathe life into these policies we need to be able to move things forward. You cannot tell people to rise when the factions of the own party have immobilized the state to such a degree that absolutely nothing gets done and the looters stay in their positions in government. People cannot rise with the boot of government on their neck. EFF leader Julius Malema took a swipe at the judiciary, accusing it of thinking that it is untouchable. There is nothing so special that gives them powers to think they can amend this constitution and take the rights of people away. Whereas, Baba Baki contradicted in their own judgments because they think they are untouchable. They must know that if they continue to think that they are the law, but not interpreters of the law, then the people will rise against such few judges who have made themselves the law and are conspiring with politicians to deal with the opponents of the current establishment.
Acting Minister in the Presidency, Kumbuzo Nchabeni, has defended the judiciary from attacks by Malema and also requested him to stay out of ANC's internal affairs. We all know that when you start to make noise against the president and the judiciary, to an extent that you stop short of calling for an uprising against the judiciary, we wonder what is it that you are afraid of. You say you are not interested in ANC factional battles, but you say you want to remove President Ramaphosa from his presidency of the ANC. Why are you interested in ANC politics? Let the ANC sort out its own politics. We are members of the ANC, we are alive and will sort out the challenges facing our organization. We don't need former members to assist us. But of course, if you reconsider, I think your suspension of membership will be up. You are willing to join and follow the provisions of the constitution of the ANC. IFP leader Mangosutu Butelezi says corruption has been a challenge in this country even before the pandemic. The problem is corruption. I know it, you know it, sir. South Africa knows it. Despite the admission that South Africa is in an economic crisis, there were still those who saw a pandemic as the chance for themselves to get rich. The level of corruption and fraud that has assailed our fight against COVID-19 is unthinkable. It is seen by the world and felt by our people. With every death, a finger to blame, of blame rather, falls on corruption. FF Plus leader Peter Kronewald put emphasis on race relations. He said white people are being excluded from benefiting on some COVID-19 relief grants. When we look at the grants given, specifically if you look at the tourism grant, the equity grant, you exclude, exclude whites. Why? The irony, Honorable President, is that there are white business people who employ, say, 5, 10, or 20 black employees. But you don't want to assist them to keep them and assure them that they can keep their employees in service. That is discrimination. The debate continues today and President Ramaphosa will reply on Thursday. Lula Mamaitya in Parliament. Gateway to Africa is our entertaining and educational tourism, travel and business show. Join us every Wednesday at 10 hours Central African time as we explore the tourism landscape in Africa. Make a date with Gateway to Africa every Wednesday at 10 hours Central African time. This is Africa Rise and Shine on Channel Africa from an African perspective. Relations between South Africa's President Cyril Ramaphosa and his predecessor Jacob Zuma are inevitably rocky. These relations were soured mainly by the removal of Zuma as President. Pressure on him 
to appear before the State Capture Commission has also worsened the already frosty relations. Remarks by Ramaphosa on the nine wasted nine years under Zuma also compounded the worsening relations, but Zuma couldn't help the situation, alleging that money was used to secure the ANC presidency for Ramaphosa. He also alleged that some judges have assisted him to hide from society what could possibly be bribes obtained to help him win an internal ANC election. Our, co- our political correspondent in Mukobo investigates how and where it all started. Once Jacob Zuma and Cyril Ramaphosa were comrades in arms, and in 2012 they became the ANC's first and second in command, respectively. The number of votes cast for the six officials amounted to 3,977 votes cast. With the position of president, comrade Halema Motlante received 991 votes. Comrade Jacob Zuma received 2,900. Position of Deputy President. Comrade Matthews Prosser received 470 votes. Comrade Cyril Ramaphosa received 3,000. The two also went to the Union buildings together as the country's president and deputy president. But then things changed. At the ANC's 2017 elective congress, Ramaphosa was vying for the top spot and instead Zuma backed Dr. Nkosa Sanatlamini Zuma. But in the end, Ramaphosa became the party's president. A few weeks later, Zuma was removed as president in a move that soured their relations. And in 2019, at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, Ramaphosa and some of his ministers told the world that the Zuma presidency was a wasted nine years. When we came here, we brought a message of renewal, almost optimism about our country and actually saying that we have come through a very dark period over the last nine years where there was policy uncertainty, where state institutions had been captured and where corruption had run rife in our country. And we have been saying to everyone here in Davos, we're putting that behind us. We're now in a new dawn. But Zuma had refuted the accusation in a statement saying he never blamed any of his predecessors. I never once blamed any predecessor or pointed any perceived failing of any predecessor when I came to the leadership. I focused on what we would do to achieve in the ANC and we focused on achieving those things. Close quote. Zuma's refusal to appear before the Zondo Commission has again pitted him against the current leadership with Ramaphosa cautiously reacting to his attitude towards the commission. He has expressed his own thoughts and views that he does not want to go to the commission, but this is a matter that I am sure he's going to give much more thought to because uh, he's being counseled by a number of people and a number of organizations that uh, the constitutional structure that he contributed so much to needs to be given consideration and I'm sure in his own mind, in his own time, he will think about all this. And I would like to say, let's give 
former President Jacob Zuma time and space to think about this, also to hear what other people are saying. With the commission now calling for a jail term against Zuma, the former president is crying foul, accusing some judges of being complicit in the many crises in the country. We sit with some of the judges who have assisted the incumbent president to hide from society what on the face of it seemed to be bribes obtained in order to win internal ANC election. We sit with judges who seal those records simply because such records may reveal that some of them, while presiding in courts, have had their hands filled with proverbial 30 pieces of silver. Close quote. It seems factionalism is deepening and battle lines are again drawn in the ANC ahead of its next elective conference. I am Debo Mokobo in Johannesburg. Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. Kultranjoy for Channel Africa Radio in Ethiopia's capital, Addis Ababa. Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Hilda Kekeloa in Zambia. Our cutting-edge and hard-hitting journalism leaves no stone unturned, giving you the whole picture every time. George Muhango, Channel Africa, Blantyre. Reporting for Channel Africa, this is Moki Kinzeka. In Yaoundi. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja, informing the world about Africa. Join us every day and know what is happening around you. Channel Africa. Follow Channel Africa on these social media platforms on Facebook, Channel Africa One, on Twitter, at Channel Africa One and YouTube on Channel Africa Radio. Our website, www.channelafrica.co.za. Channel Africa, from an African perspective. For your latest update on the novel coronavirus, also called COVID-19, for Channel Africa from Planta in Malawi, I am George Mohango. Washing your hands with soap and water or using alcohol-based hand rub kills viruses that may be on your hands. Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. Kultranjoy for Channel Africa Radio in Ethiopia's capital, Addis Ababa. Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Hilda Kekeloa in Zambia. Our cutting-edge and hard-hitting journalism leaves no stone unturned, giving you the whole picture every time. George Muhango, Channel Africa, Blantyre. Reporting for Channel Africa, this is Moki Kinzeka. In Yaoundi. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja, informing the world about Africa. Join us every day and know what is happening around you. Channel Africa. You are listening to Africa Rise and Shine. It is 7.30. Time for the headlines. SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Amen Musa, good morning. In the headline, South African Civic Organization Right to Know says it will be picketing outside the Department of Health offices in Johannesburg over what it says has been a lack of transparency over the coronavirus vaccination program. Scientists in the UK have identified another new variant of coronavirus with some potentially troubling mutations. 
And the UN World Food Programme says South Sudan is facing its highest level of food insecurity since it declared independence 10 years ago. Those are the stories making headlines. SABC News. Independent and impartial. From an African perspective. China has withdrawn battle tanks and was dismantling military structures as part of an agreement with India to ease military tensions along their disputed front lines in the Ladakh region. Tensions peaked in June when soldiers from the rival armies clashed in a Himalayan valley, which left several dead on both sides. Rana Sen reports. Indian media on Tuesday said China was taking visible steps to end the months-long standoff. However, retired Lieutenant General Satish Dua warned the dispute was not just restricted to Ladakh. We'll have to understand that the aggressive behavior of China is on account of many factors. And that is where it thought that it could steamroll over India. It is part of the military coalition of China is trying. It has not succeeded, uh, including the central sector now. Central sector is again very sensitive, where China claims around 2,000 uh, plus uh, square kilometers of our territory out there. But General Vikram Singh, a former Indian Army chief, told the conclave on the crisis that China accepted to pull back as military tensions with India seemed to have backfired. We had been very timid with regard to China. I think this is the first time after a very, very long time that we looked into the eyes of China and mobilized our resources to take on Chinese challenge. So given the fact that we have challenged Xi Jinping and his military, I think the costs were very high for Xi Jinping. One of the reasons I feel at the strategic level is the strategic cost, the political cost, which Xi Jinping realized that should China continue with the stalemate, it will not augur well for its reputational image. And Tapir Gao, an MP from India's Arunachal Pradesh state, which is claimed in full by China, said there were lessons to take home from the flare-up which began in April. This is an example where India need to learn more to deal with the Chinese, whether it is military point of view, whether it is economical point of view, and whether it is all aspects we need to act what Modi's resistance has shown to the world today that India can deal the expansionist policy somewhere they strike on the world today. The Chinese step has taken many diplomats, analysts and security experts by complete surprise both in South Asia and in the West. The Chinese have also realized that the geopolitics continues to remain one in which they will be looked at for not following a rules-based international order in various ways they also found that it was perhaps useful to take a bit of a break and i think covid and all these things put together made it such that the chinese thought that since they couldn't for the first time perhaps ever allow their populations to truly enjoy the chinese new year at least give the country a bit of a break that was manji singh puri who has served as india's ambassador to nepal the european union belgium and luxembourg and that report by Rana Sen. You are listening to Africa Rise and Shine. Good morning. 
A study by the Soweto Clinical Trial Center has shown that 80% of ivermectic tablets found in South Africa contain at least one undeclared substance. According to the center's managing director, Dr. Kasim Ibrahim Borat, the ingredients could have dangerous consequences for patients. The health products regulator, Sapra, recently approved the compassionate use of ivermectin for the treatment of COVID-19, but under strict conditions. Health practitioners have been allowed to prescribe the drug under Section 21 authorization of the Medicines and Related Substances Act, even though the drug is not registered for human use in the country. Prabashni Mudli reports. The debate on ivermectin and its regulation for human use in South Africa has reached the courts. Many doctors are demanding that the South African Health Products Regulatory Authority, or SAPRA, allow them to prescribe ivermectin to patients. But the Soweto Clinical Trial Center has discovered that the drug could be detrimental to patients. Managing Director Dr. Hassim Ibrahim Borat says that some of the ingredients found in the different formulations of ivermectin are blood thinners, antidepressants and sedatives. He says many of these substances are not declared on the packaging and could be dangerous. Due to the absence of uh, quality control and the illegal nature of how these were being brought in, there was no proper vetting and hence the use of it would be, uh, you know, have uncertain safety effects on patients. And I ended up sourcing seven different formulations of what was claimed to be ivermectin. No one knew the quality of the medication they were taking, number one. And number two, there was no accountability in terms of who brought it in. When we tested these, had seven different, you know, undeclared, so it's not on the label, number one, and no one knew that they were actually ingesting them. One of the medications that we found in there was a blood thinner. Another one was addictive, it's a benzodiazepine. One was an anticonvulsant. Dr. Borat says that healthcare professionals should not do as they please, especially with unregistered drugs. He says they have a responsibility to prescribe medicines that they can guarantee will not cause harm to patients. Borat says undeclared substances in medicines cast doubt on their safety. Each healthcare professional, they can't just say, no, but I bought it like this. But hang on, it's not registered in the country. You are taking a risk. So you really have to then say, I'm going to get it analyzed. I know what's in it, and therefore I'm safely dispensing it. Because patient safety comes first. Unregistered medication. You don't know what you're getting. That's the bottom line. Even if you're a doctor, the use of Panado is legislated. So it's not a question of we say, you know what, you as a doctor, you're allowed to do anything you want with any tablet. That's ridiculous. So please just follow the law. Dr. Maria van Kerkhoff, the World Health Organization's technical lead for COVID-19, says the WHO is reviewing data and global studies on the risks and benefits of ivermectin. The clinical team is looking at data right now on different studies that have been evaluating ivermectin. What they're doing is they're synthesizing the data from different studies. Some of those studies had small sample sizes and the idea is to pull those together into a meta-analysis and apply what they call a grade framework to assess the certainty and the benefit or the risk based on each of those studies. They're using the same methodology that they've used for all of the living guidance that have been produced throughout this pandemic. They have a steering committee that are following the different results of clinical trials around the world, um, and that is being used to trigger the development of the guidance by the WHO team. Health products regulator SAPRA is stepping up its clampdown on illegal drugs, and it's working with SARS customs officials and the police to stop them from entering the country. 
Four people from India have already been arrested for smuggling the drug ivermectin into South Africa. The drugs, with an estimated street value of over 6 million rand, were concealed in luggage. SAPRA Regulatory Compliance Manager Daphne Fafudi says no one should be in possession of the drug without their consent. We have been getting reports from the public, from the social media platforms, from the police, from customs regarding the contravention. We therefore sent inspectors and then we found that this undeclared equipment, which was nicely packed, but inside it was either making tablets, plenty of them. This is at Oartambo. The three were arrested. We opened the case together. Currently out on a 50,000 rand each. And then in Durban, also undeclared personal luggage. This is an Indian national as well. This one is out on 5,000 rand The Soweto Clinical Trials Center says that without SAPRA approval, the quality of available ivermectin drugs remains uncertain. They say that using medicines that bypass South African quality control processes raise significant safety concerns and have legal ramifications for the prescribing doctors. Prabhashni Mudli, SABC News, Johannesburg. Now, COVID-19 health and safety protocols remain a major challenge at border posts linking South Africa and Botswana. Most truck drivers say they are forced to queue for days, resulting in the expiry of their COVID-19 test results before crossing the border. Vafedile Moerane has more. Four border crossings between South Africa and Botswana have reopened. Ramatlabama and Kopfontein are usually busy under normal circumstances. But since the outbreak of the COVID-19 pandemic, both border posts are relatively quiet. They are used mostly by commercial travelers transporting goods. Challenges predating COVID-19 are now compounded by new health and safety regulations aimed at capping the spread of coronavirus. Some of the truck drivers we spoke to had this to say. Normally, it must be like 30 minutes, then you'll be crossed the check. But because you must do the COVID test, go to the office, wait for the results, it's taking too long. Because of this result thing, uh, they're delaying us somewhere, somewhere. Now, if you look at the, at, the, at the queue here, sometimes you can stand at the queue for some days. Then by the time you reach the border, your COVID are expired already. So when your COVID are expired already, we are forced to go back to side to test again. And you know the procedures of testing. You test today, you get your results tomorrow. While traffic officials try to ensure a smooth flow of traffic, health authorities enforce COVID-19 compliance. Northwest Health Department spokesperson, Tebukhola Ketwani. There will be serious scrutiny to ensure that... Uh, um, fake COVID-19 certificates are not used. And uh, anyone using a fake COVID-19 test certificate will be handed over to the law enforcement agencies for prosecution. Authorities have once again called on travelers to avoid unnecessary travel to avoid the spread of COVID-19. Bafetile Moerani in Mahikeng. Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. Kultranjoy for Channel Africa Radio in Ethiopia's capital, Addis Ababa. Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Hilda Kekeloa in Zambia. Our cutting-edge and hard-hitting journalism leaves no stone unturned, giving you the whole picture every time. George Muhango.
Channel Africa Blantyre. Reporting for Channel Africa, this is Moki Kinzeka in Yaoundi. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja, informing the world about Africa. Join us every day and know what is happening around you. Channel Africa. Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. What we want to achieve is a healthy and vibrant economy, which can ensure full employment to our people. The government concurs with the views of the Black Economic Empowerment Council report that it is now necessary to make our policies on Black Economic Empowerment more explicit. Last May, I asked constituencies at Netlec to discuss youth employment incentives. I'm pleased that discussions have been concluded and that agreement has been reached on key principles. We are on an ambitious drive to industrialize, to attract investment, and to create more jobs for the youth of our country. They don't have jobs. Tried looking for a job for it's a year and a half now. The challenges were periods and the, the level of education which I have. Channel Africa. Many parts of the world, naturally rich, especially Africa, are poor and parts not well off in minerals enjoy the highest standards of living. Channel Africa brings you a brand new show dedicated to revitalize the motherland with her music and wisdom. Building Building Africa Africa with Love, Fridays 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and all Sundays from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. Central African Time. This is Africa Rise and Shine here on Channel Africa from an African perspective. Let's find out what Tabiso has in store for us. It is time for economic news. Thanks, Kums, and a very good morning. Energy expert Ted Blom has described as a preposterous an agreement between the National Energy Regulator of South Africa and the Power Utility ESCOM to increase electricity tariffs by over 15% for the 2021-2022 financial year. The agreement came after the Power Utility won a case in the Pretoria High Court last year, which allows it to push for a greater tariff increase than what NERSA was willing to allow, Blom explains. I think it's preposterous. NERSA didn't defend the application against it by ESCOM. If you read the ESCOM uh, press announcement, you'll see that they continue to say that ESCOM is efficiently and well-run and well-managed. And that's just totally ridiculous. You know it, I know it, the whole of South Africa knows it. So I'm really astounded that this behavior by NERSA has uh, gone through unchallenged. I don't want to sound like I'm a troublemaker, but I think it's time for an energy revolution. We can't carry on like this. We're going to lose more jobs, we're going to lose more factories, and, and more people are going off the net, and yet Eskom keeps on pushing up the prices. It's just a ridiculous situation. 
Bank of Namibia Governor Johannes Agawakab has said the most critical element to help grow the Namibian economy is investments. Agawakab said this at a recently held Central Bank Roundtable economic discussion with the chairpersons of boards of directors and executives of private sector companies that mobilize investments and savings in the country. Renowned economist Carlos Lopez at the 2019 Economic Summit said Namibia is one of a few countries with underutilized savings, and it appears Igawahab heeded this observation. The International Monetary Fund has approved a crucial 2.4 billion million rather US dollar credit facility for Kenya under a three-year program. The money is expected to help the country reboot the economy following the adverse effects of the COVID-19 pandemic amid shrinking revenues. In a statement released on Monday, the IMF said the combined 38 month program under the extended fund facility and extended credit facility is also aimed at helping the country reduce its debt vulnerabilities. Zimbabwe's currency will remain fragile uh, in a fragile, uh, st- rather, Zimbabwe's currency will maintain a fragile stability this year, continuing from the volatility that haunted the domestic unit even after the introduction of the foreign currency auction system in June. In a report, Zimbabwe 2021 equity strategy, the country projected that there will be improved production and output this year, which will help the currency stand its ground. It is unclear if the Reserve Bank of Zimbabwe boss a fine run will be sustained given the sporadic shocks that have always returned to haunt Zimbabwe when many least expect. Zambia needs the International Monetary Fund program to give an assurance to lenders that the country will ensure fiscal consolidation. Zambia National Commercial Bank says that the country's sovereign credit risk of further weakening in the absence of successfully completing the ongoing debt restructuring efforts to put the country back on debt sustainability path. There will be need for the endorsement of the IMF. Zanaka says if the foregoing is to be averted, then the country will need the support of the endorsement of the IMF with a program to guarantee lenders that the fiscus will stay the talk on fiscal consolidation. The US dollar is a trading at 379.28, Nigerian Nara, 1069, Botswana Pula, 108.54, Kenyan Shilling, and 2159, Zambian Guacha. In BRICS currencies, I'll start in Brazil. One US dollar there is a trading at uh, 5 real 36, Russia, 73 rubles 46, India, 72 rupees 74, China, 6 yuan 45, and in South Africa, a dollar is a trading at 14 rand 53. The US dollar is also trading at 71 pence to the British pound and 82 cents to euro. Gold, $1,792, platinum, $1,258 per ounce brand crude, $63.45 a barrel. We from an African perspective. It is time for Sports News. Our sporting guru, Fikile Lingwati, is standing by with the latest.
In this hour, multiple world record holder Genezebe Dibaba of Ethiopia has an interesting matchup against world champion and world record holder Beatrice Chepkoyech in the women's 3000 meter at the World Athletics Indoor Meeting in Turin in Poland tonight. Our UK-based correspondent, Geshe Mnyati, reports. Genezebe Dibaba has a superb track record in middle distance and long track events. On paper, the former 1500 meters world champion Olympic Games silver medalist and several other accolades in the 3000, 5000 and World Cross Country takes the edge as the number one favorite. Dibaba's main challenger, Beatrice Chepkoech, is fresh from setting a 5km world record in Monaco on Saturday where she destroyed the previous mark held by Sifani Hassani of the Netherlands. Chepkoech holds the world 3000 meters temperatures record while Dibaba is immensely boastful of world records both indoor and outdoor in the 1500 and 3000 meters. South African football side Kaiser Chiefs have informed the Confederations of African Football that they cannot honor their upcoming match against Moroccan Giants with at Casablanca. This comes after Africa's football governing body announced that the Champions League Group C match between the two teams will be played on Friday in Cairo, Egypt. Chiefs released a statement on Tuesday on their official website explaining that they won't be able to face Widat due to travel logistics and bureaucracy issues. Meanwhile, the statement also confirmed that their PSL match against Amazudu FC, which is scheduled to be played today, will go ahead. On to tennis news, U.S. tennis star Serena Williams says she aimed to keep lifting her level after she stepped up a gear to destroy Simona Halep and set up an Australian Open semi-final with an incredible Naomi Osaka. The seven-time champion in her 20th Australian Open and 77th Grand Slam raised its intensity and accuracy to beat the Romanian second seed 6-3 and 6-3 on Rod Laver Arena. I feel good. I feel like, you know, I'm here and I'm happy to be here. And I got to keep going. And, you know, that's obviously the goal. And obviously I have an incredible opponent to play. So um, it would be nice to hopefully keep raising the level of my game. I'm going to have to. Golf news. Swellendam's Megan Stracher rode a red-hot putter to shoot the day's low round of 67 on the West Coast and rally from four shots back overnight to win the South African women's stroke play title at Royal Johannesburg and Kensington Glove Club. The 18-year-old golf South Africa elite squad member held off late charges from defending champion and top-ranked Caitlin McNabb to triumph on 5 under par 211. So on 10, yeah, I hit it pretty close to about 2 meters and boxed a putt, so that was a great birdie. And then on the next hole, I actually missed the fairway and had a huge putt in, but my dad, my caddy, gave me a great line and I drained it like a 30-meter putt, so that was great. That's your sport news this hour. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zola. Africa, Amuka na Unai.
Recapping our top stories, uh, this uh, one South African opposition parties accused uh, accuse President Ramaphosa of not doing enough to fight corruption. South African government rocked by 118 million rand New York land scandal. In economics, Namibia's central bank governor says economic hope lies in investments. And in sports, Kaiser Chiefs reject Confederation of African Football's proposal. And that concludes Africa Rise and Shine for today. It has been a pleasure having you along with us. From myself, Kumbaram Jarele, producer Pumuzara Magadza, technical producer Tidimala Makau, we wish you a fantastic day further. Taking us to the top of the hour, here is Lungi Swa with a song called Unongala. Goodbye for now.
Follow Channel Africa on these social media platforms on Facebook, Channel Africa One, on Twitter, at Channel Africa One, and YouTube on Channel Africa Radio. Our website, www.channelafrica.co.za. Channel Africa, from an African perspective. <laughs>